welcome to our podcast. Please put your headphones on if you haven't already. Today, we will be talking about Rome's first civil war, the Mauritius-Solon War, which might have been one of the most ruthless power struggles in ancient Rome. This war was one of the last major moments before the transition from a republic to an empire began. This was a war where two men who led a country would later betray their own citizens when trying to assert dominance over the other. Gaius Marius was a Roman general and he was a politician who served as council seven times, five of them being consecutive, which was actually against the law. He was born at around 157 BCE in Arpinium Latinum, which is modern-day Arpino Rome. In his early days, Marius was a soldier general and he was popular among his troops. As a young man, he showed little to no interest in politics. According to some reports, he wasn't a good speaker either. He lacked education that the upper-class patricians had, but still Gaius Marius was determined. In 134 to 133 BC, Marius served under Scipio Africanus, a Roman general, during the siege of Numantia. In 119 BC, he was elected as a tribune of the plebeians, which which are lower class people. This was seen as a check of power to the Roman Senate, and as of 119 BC, Gaius Marius and Sulla didn't have any tension between each other because they didn't know each other. Keep in mind that Marius was older than Sulla. In 115 BC, he governed the second half of Spain, which was Father Spain. According to a Roman historian, Sallust, Marius won office after office, always so conducting himself to be regarded worthy of a higher position than which he was holding. After he was finishing governing Father Spain, he took a small break on his political career and married Julia, a wealthy woman who would later be the aunt of Julius Caesar. Following his temporary break, one of his consuls, Quintus Caecilius Metellus, was ordered to end the conflict with King Jugurtha of Namundia in 109 BC. Metellus, the consul, made Gaius Marius our main character, his legate or deputy. Okay guys, so let's go back real quick. At around 146 BCE, Rome had conquered Numundia and compromised with local leaders, Jugurtha being one of the Roman clients, but now he had gotten out of hand. So Metellus and Marius traveled to Africa in order to capture King Jugurtha. Like I said before, Jugurtha started acting up. Marius, however, claimed that Metellus' leadership was too conservative and old-fashioned. According to Sallust, unless Metellus acted promptly, they, the Romans, would be in extreme peril of their lives. Marius thought the Roman army would need to be reformed since the size of the Roman army was too minute. Before Marius, every army always had a citizen army. The citizens made it up and when it was your turn to go, you go. Or if there was an emergency, you, you join up and fight. It's like a civic duty, a jury duty almost. Except if you don't show up, your enemies are going to kill you and enslave your children. Not to mention, not 
not anyone could be in the army. One could only serve in the army if you were a Roman citizen who owned land, which drastically limited the amount of soldiers in the Roman army. In addition to that, lower class Roman citizens did not want to join the army because they would have to borrow money to ensure that their farm was kept well. Because they were serving in the army and couldn't do do it themselves. The problem was, if you didn't pay off the money that you borrowed, you could potentially be sold into slavery. Marius wanted to change that by suggesting that the army should recruit the proletarians, which is another word for lower class or working poor. Marius also made sure that being a soldier was the person's job. So after the so after the war, the army wouldn't disband. Since Marius started to recruit proletarians, aka poor people, these poor people were able to serve in the army for long periods of time. Soon, the Romans had a strong and professional army. After these poor people were done fighting for around 20 years, they were tired and they were given land for their hard work. Marius's actions made him more powerful and popular among across the country. In addition to that, soldiers actually trusted him and they were loyal to him since they served him for so long. In 107 BCE, Marius was able to get a hold of the Numidian command by being elected to the council, which meant that he replaced Metullus, the man from before, after he changed plans to capture Numidia. He tried to confront King Jugurtha, which was a success. Marius, um, Marius and his new and improved army brutally attacked Jugurtha's army, which caused the strain between Numidia and its allies. In 105 BC, one of the Jakarta friends had betrayed King Jakarta and sent him over to the Romans. Marius's officer, Sulla, supervised King Jakarta's surrender. Like I said before, this was a huge success for Marius. Remember to keep in mind that Sulla and Marius did not have any conflict during this time. So guys, let's do a quick flashback to the beginning. Remember when I said that Marius served as consul several times? Well, we are here now. So, after King Jugurtha was captured, Marius served as consul five times in a row from 104 to 100 BCE, which was illegal. But the Romans didn't care because many people loved him. He won the trust of the Roman people since he grew up as plebeian and aided other plebeians. After being counseled five times in a row, he married a woman, Julia, who would later be the aunt of Julius Caesar. We went over this. Marius's political career was also pretty tranquil until the year 91 BCE, when Rome's Italian allies started rebelling. This caused something called the Social War. The Romans, the Roman patricians, insisted that Marius and his men lead the Roman troops to victory during the war. Marius obeyed the patricians and led his men through 91 BCE and 90 BCE as a politician. Most of the men who rebelled were essentially part of his party, the Populares, meaning that Marius was ordered to kill his own men. Later on, Marius would retire after one of his political campaigns. But rumor has it that he was forced out of the seat by his senatorial opponents. 
after he had retired the social war, it was coming to an end. But the conflict between him and Celia was just starting. Now, let's think of Cornelius Seller as your typical, rich, spoiled Roman boy who was always given anything he wanted whenever he asked. Cornelius Sella, or Lucius Cornelius Sella, was born in 138 BCE into a patrician family, aka a wealthy family. Many classical and modern writers disagree about what Sulla actually did as a dictator slash politician. Sometimes there will be references to slavery, cruelty, and inhumanity. Other times, people saw Sulla as a true and honest reformer. Cornelius Sulla was one of the traditional type, type of people in Rome. He helped pave the way for Republican ideals, but this was a problem since he and Marius had different ideas. He was an optimate and Marius was part of the popularist party. When the Greek king Mithadrius of Pontus was one of the Romans' biggest threat towards the Roman civilization, Sulla was initially given the Mithriatric command, but Marius, being experienced with King Mithadrius, also desired the Mithriatric command. So Marius sent a tribune called Sculpticus to try and convince the Roman citizens to take away the command from Sulla and hand it over to Marius. And Sculptilius, or um, his assistant, was successful doing so, meaning that Sulla's job basically got taken away from him. As you would think, Sulla was outraged. As a result, Sulla turned to his own Roman troops on itself in 88 BCE. Marius' troops tried to fight back, but they weren't successful, and Marius was forced out of the city. While that happened, Sulla dominated the Republic of Rome and secured the command for the campaign against Mithadrius. Winning these foreign wars would make Sulla as power, or Sulla as power, and powerful and rich as Marius was before. Prior to confronting King Mithadrius a second time, Sulla expelled Marius and declared him an enemy of the state. He placed a bounty on his head and sentenced him to die. Because of that, Marius fled to Africa and assembled a small force of men to return home so he could get revenge on Sulla. At the time of 87 BCE, the Roman Republic two councils were Cinna and Octavius. These two were also in the middle of a conflict, which gave Marius an excellent opportunity to return to Rome. Also, Sulla had left east for um east, east with his army while Sulla was distracted Marius and his fresh group of troops served the council Cinna as you would imagine that didn't go well not for Marius and Cinna's relationship but for Rome's well-being on <clears throat> Because of Marius, because Marius had aided Cinna throughout his time as a council, Cinna's co-council was forced to surrender, meaning that Marius and Cinna would enter Rome once again. But there was a huge dilemma. Marius didn't really care about Rome's well-being anymore, since he was practically forced out of Rome and left to rot. Cinna didn't either. He was also forced out of Rome. So Cinna and Marius went from council to 
two dictators and settled their personal dilemmas. According to a man called Plutarch, the Senate met and sent a deputation to Senate and Marius, begging them to enter the city and spare the citizens. Some historians think that Marius was responsible for a widespread purge. To others, he would only claim seven lives. Besides the fact that both Senna and Marius were purging their opponents, Marius and Senna won their candidacy again for consulship. But Marius's term was cut short because of his health. It started to deteriorate. Around mid-January of 86 BCE, he died at the age of 70 from thirst. After Marius lost his life, one of his most notorious opponents, Sulla, came back from defeating King Mithaltriate. Sulla ordered for Marius's body parts to be exhumed, abused, discarded, and discarded as trash. In 86 BCE, Sulla served alongside Valerius Flaticus, who was originally set to actually defeat Sulla in order to intercept his army from getting back to Rome from Pontus. Sulla and Flacticus's opponents, Cinna and Carbo, would rule the Marian forces during the war in Rome. Since Marius had died in 83 BCE, the Battle of Mount Taffeta or Castellinum started because Sulla was prepared was prepared as Cinna and Carbo. The consuls were willing to transport from Italy into the Balkans to fight Sulla. However, their plane backfired tremendously because Cinna died in battle. Sulla was also able to advance towards Rome since the consuls of Brusnium, Gaius Urbanus, and Lucius Assasius weren't able to efficiently defend the sea. On land, it was a different story. The councils of Brunsium were able to round up an army of 125,000 men strong. But Sulla still won the battle at Mount Taffeta in Castellinum. Sulla believed it was because he didn't wait to form a structure during battle because he ambushed them, which resulted in the enemy not being able to respond as quickly. By the end of the battle of Mount Taffeta, Nobunus had 7,000 dead, while Sulla only had 124 dead. While Sulla was fighting another war, the Samanite army decided to take advantage of the Romans being distracted by other wars in 82 BCE, which started the War of Colon Gate. You see, the Samanites had took Sulla and his army by surprise when they were camping a couple of miles from Rome. On the second day, the Samanites attacked the Samanites attacked. Um, the Samnites attacking had reached Rome and surrounded Rome's walls. Young Roman nobles tried to resist them, but they lacked both experience and numbers. Because Rome now was in danger, Sulla's men were sent 70,000 strong and were ordered to eat. His lieutenants wanted Sulla to give him, him his men more time to recover since the Samnites were more dangerous than Carbo and Marius, the men that he defeated. Of course, Sulla refused to take advice from those who worked under him. By the end of the battle, Sulla's left wing were defeated and his senators, soldiers, and spectators were killed. His right wing, which was led by Crassius, a Roman consul, was victorious. They did this by folding up the Samnite forces and breaking them up. After the battle was dying down, Sulla had 
8,000 Samanite prisoners killed with darts, and soldiers were beheaded and displayed outside Rome's walls. This was the end of the military phase for the Civil War, ranging from 88 BCE to 82 BCE. In late 82 BCE to 81 BCE, the Senate elected Sulla as a dictator for making the laws and for settling the constitution. When this happened, Sulla had control of the entire Republic from Rome, ex- the entire Republic of Rome except for Hispania. This set the stage for Julius Caesar's dictatorship and the end of the Roman Republic under Augustus. Because Sulla was in, control, was in control of the city's affairs, he made a list of prescriptions, which meant that enemies of the state would be executed and their property would be confiscated. Plutarch stated that Sulla now began to make blood flow, and he filled the city with deaths without number or limit. Immediately, Sulla had ordered the, ed- the execution of 80 people without any negotiation. The second day, he ordered the execution of 220 people, and on the third day, another 200 people. If he forgot to prescribe somebody, he would execute them at a later time. Sully even had the sons of the men who were prescribed to ban from running from for counsel in order to, in order to um, prevent other people from competing against him. He even targeted his own son-in-law, Julius Caesar. After Sulla had used fear to execute his opponent and reformed Roman laws that Marius had put into place. Sulla retired in 79 BCE. Knowing that he limited the power of the tribunes and the plebeian lower class people, the year after he died, he he died from either the year after he died from either liver failure, a ruptured gastric ulcer, or an infestation of worms. Now this doesn't mean the destruction he made had disappeared too. He had destroyed the foundations of the Roman Republic during his dictatorship, and now it was up to the succeeding consul mem- members to repair Rome. The end.